Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. This is Josh Berry coming to you today with a follow-up episode. A couple of weeks ago, we had Dan Reed, the Managing Director of American Family Ventures, on the show. And Dan shared that one of their early experiments into startup collaboration was teaming up with Microsoft's accelerator arm to do a home automation accelerator. Uh, Wanting to dig into that a little bit further, uh, we got a hold of Aya Zook one of the founding principals of Microsoft's Accelerator team, uh, who's been with them since the inception. We started to dig into a little bit more about uh, their philosophy, some of the things that they've learned and changes they've made over the years, uh, some of the things they're looking forward to in the future, uh, some interesting takeaways from uh, the interview. This idea of they've been really training and, and incubating and helping to scale up some people that are eventually acquired by a Google or a Yahoo. Uh, or others, uh, and, and what their take is on that. Uh, also, trying to understand a little bit of their strategy uh, around where they place these accelerators. Uh, they don't have an accelerator in San Francisco or New York City. Uh, they're in a lot of other emerging uh, ecosystems. And so I uh, hope you can uh, sit back and actually, no, don't sit back. Uh, sit up, grab a pen, and uh, start to take some great notes. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Aya. I want to talk a little bit about your background and how that influences it. You're a product guy coming into this. Uh, how does coming at it from a product uh, standpoint influence your interaction with the accelerator or promotion of the accelerator? I think the accelerator programs and the type of help that is uh, provided has, has really shifted in the last few years, too. I think there was a tendency before to really kind of throw uh, the, the technical you know, expertise uh, as one of the, the bigger benefits. But now, I think now um, with the, the technical side, you know, there's so many tools, there's so many resources now. Not that everybody's, you know, building off the same uh, set of resources and platforms, but um, there, there's a lot more easier ways to, to build stuff. So I think a, a lot of the, the technical uh, aspect of Accelerator kind of falls away or at least it's not as pronounced. And now it's more about, okay, you know, how do you market this? Or, you know, how does this feel as a product, right? In terms of UI and UX and the design of it and really the story around it. Um, I think for every, you know, problem where there used to be uh, maybe three solutions, now there's 15, right? How do you sift through that? If uh, the product itself, you know, is works pretty well across the board, then it becomes the intangibles of, uh, you know, the design and the feel and, the, and you know, the background of the founder events. Like, why is it sure. this person that's bringing the solution and why should I believe in you? Um, and I think, you know, coming from the product side, uh, it, it kind of gives me, uh, I think, uh, kind of a, a bigger perspective than gen- just one aspect of uh, uh, the, the service itself. And, uh, and that's what I enjoy, this kind of multidiscipline uh, and taking a, a 360 look around, you know, what this product is beyond what it does. Yep, yep. And what is your role? 
And uh, so I um, lead the, the global marketing team. Um, we have seven locations around the world uh, for these accelerators, and uh, I work with the, the local uh, marketing leads. Okay. So uh, one of the interesting things is we talk to our clients and uh, other listeners of the podcast. Uh, many of them are corporate innovators who are thinking about getting into the corporate accelerator game. Uh, what are some of the lessons learned that you guys had early on uh, that maybe you've now uh, become a little bit wiser and, and better at that some of these people can pick up? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the enterprise or, you know, corporate environment uh, has some inherent challenges uh, when you're trying to especially work with a, a community of innovators who, you know, tend to um, work at their own pace. They have their own uh, set of goals uh, that might not necessarily be um, aligned to to the corporate goals. So I think a lot of, uh, you know, what we learned was just setting the expectations uh, internally uh, goes a long way uh, if you do it early enough. And that could mean anything from, hey, it's like this is not something that's going to, you know, see uh, fruition uh, immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of enterprises or, or corporations are based on a quarterly goals. Yeah. You want to, you know, kind of get out of that uh, bucket and uh, make sure that people are looking at the, what you're doing as a more of a longer term investment. I think the second piece is, you know, finding those champions inside that understand the space or at least are passionate and uh, can carry this torch for you uh, in terms of, uh, you know, as an exec sponsor or somebody that has uh, wields enough power, uh, has enough sway that can uh, unblock uh, some of the challenges that you're going to run into. Yeah, it's an interesting balance, right? Because um, presumably many times the corporation, and especially somebody as successful as Microsoft, has a lot to offer these startups who come into their program. Yet, uh, one of the main reasons to engage with startups and bring them in is because they're bringing something else to the table, right? In terms of maybe new ideas or new talent or even just sometimes the speed at w which they're able to work. How, how do you ensure that you're bringing the best of your world to these startups in the accelerator, yet still giving them some autonomy, I guess, to create their own identities? Yeah, that, that's a, a really fair point. And, uh, you know, I think especially nowadays in the last couple of years, two, three years, maybe um, the whole entrepreneurship space in itself has seen a, quite a transformation. I think it's a, a, a lot sexier. You know, there's a lot of uh, um, kind of buzziness around it. And uh, that could also mean distractions, right? Not just in the corporate accelerators, but I think really any accelerator, uh, you know, one of the first messages, at least that we try to get across and I think is applicable to, to all these uh, type of programs is that you have to learn to say no. And uh, that, that's always hard, right? Because everybody wants to help you and they mean well. But if yeah. you pursue every uh, opinion and suggestion, then, you know, you're just spinning wheels. So I think that's that's probably one of the, the harder um, the skill sets that people don't expect to have to hone in on. Uh, sure, sure. Can you walk us through a little bit of the structure of your program? You know, some accelerators take a very hands-off approach. Uh, others have a very programmatic curriculum-based approach, and, and you will get these particular milestones. Some take in early stage, some take in later stage and focus it on scaling. Right, well, what's the flavor of, of a Microsoft accelerator? Yeah, as we know, the, the space, uh, the accelerator space has just blossomed like uh, crazy in the last few years. And so there's a lot of competition, even if you have the Microsoft brand behind it. I think, you know, um, making sure that we differentiate just like, you know, startups, right? Like what what unique qualities do you bring to the table? That's top of mind for us. So, um, 
you know, a lot of what we try to focus on, okay, what can Microsoft do that's truly unique uh, that others might not be able to deliver on? So there's a few uh, attributes, I guess, uh, that we, we try to promote, um, you know, to make sure that, that uh, uniqueness uh, gets across. And, you know, one is uh, we don't take any equity, right? Okay. So we're not the only ones, uh, sure. but I think uh, we're, we're a handful of a few that uh, take this approach. And uh, we also offer uh, 500K in cloud credits, you know, as one of the, the cloud uh, solution providers. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, there's only so many. Two of them, of the biggest ones, uh, happen to be up here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, some fierce competition uh, around the, the so-called cloud wars. But also it means that, you know, there's a lot of experts in this one area uh, that, you know, startups can unlock. So one of the ways that, you know, we want to uh, get the, um, the startups uh, doing interesting stuff in the cloud is to offer them uh, a credits in 500K over three years, uh, which is, I think, is su substantially more than the, the typical offer. Then the third piece is, uh, you know, really around, you know, Microsoft was built on this vast partner ecosystem. You know, that's how the company you know, grew and uh, flourished. And, you know, we want to uh, take advantage of that so-called legacy uh, muscle. And uh, I think every enterprise, uh, you know, is thinking about uh, the innovation space and, you know, how can they work with these kind of up-and-comers and the bleeding-edge tech. And we have a, a relationship of some sort with probably almost every company uh, enterprise, uh, Fortune 500 certainly, uh, around the world. And I think for startups, you know, that are often, they're looking for two things, right? They either want uh, a check or they, they want customers. Then uh, instead of giving them a check, you know, which they, they have a, a lot of options of uh, getting from, um, you know, what if we can unlock customers on their behalf at scale through our enterprise partners? So we think that's a bit of a win-win that's truly unique, and uh, it addresses the needs of uh, really two of our um, uh, biggest, uh, I guess, constituents or clients in the enterprise and the startup community. Yeah, I, I think that last point is extremely interesting, you know, the, the breadth of access that you likely have. Right. Uh, it also probably comes with some other internal issues uh, because, <laughs> because you, the Microsoft Accelerator, don't always have control or primary ownership of some of those relationships. H how do you navigate some of that? Uh, your rogue band of, of people over here and then you've got these corporate development uh, biz dev guys who are over here who are who are managing those Fortune 500 relationships. Uh, any, any words of advice of, of how yeah. you can make those teams play well together? Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're uh, definitely different worlds, and, and we see a lot of um, topics get lost in translation. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, kind of going back to the same point about just trying to set internal expectations, a lot of what we try to do there is, um, you know, with the, the corporate development or the, the more of the account management uh, side of things, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we uh, prep them, kind of, re I guess, remove a lot of the, the inherent friction have those two worlds collide. And that's just, uh, you know, setting expectations again and, you know, once again, trying to find the right people that understand the space and that can credibly uh, engage the startups. It's, uh, it's still a learning process for us. Um, you know, by no means have we perfected it. I think w one of the bigger takeaways uh, has been, you know, unless there's that third party involved, throughout the process, just doing a matchmaking alone yeah. doesn't get to uh, uh, <laughs> solutions. And uh, I think th there's also the bit of a challenge between big companies like to have a lot of meetings and the last <laughs> uh, small company can afford to do, it's uh, waste a lot of time sitting in uh, boardrooms. 
Yeah, we actually, in, in prep for, for this uh, podcast, um, we did a little bit of research and talked to a couple of the startups who've gone through your accelerator. And, and one of them said that that was almost a caution of how can <laughs> we respect the time? Uh, and also uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people maybe internally with whether it's yours or Barclays or, or other large known accelerators uh, to also see these startups as maybe something that they can glean from them. And so one, one of the quotes that somebody gave was, how can we make it so we're not just uh, an internal consultancy sometimes <laughs> to the other groups? Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I call it the petting zoo. Like, you never want to meet a, the exotic animal that gets brought in every now and then. <laughs> There's some interesting cultural things, though, that start to happen uh, when you when you bring in and have a separate floor or separate space it, within your existing uh, campus or, or building. I, I've been out to at least the Microsoft campus back in the day, um, and you guys have so many buildings that are out there. But having that petting zoo near maybe other <laughs> employees or other things sometimes has some cool uh, cultural effects, I guess. Yeah, um, we actually did our, our first batch of the accelerator uh, on main campus, uh, okay. along with American Family Insurance, which was great. You know, it gave the startups access to a lot of the execs and developers. But uh, I think the the bigger learning was, you know, part of being an accelerator program is uh, you're tapping into the to the bigger ecosystem. Sure. And uh, that was a, a bit of a challenge because uh, the startups were cut off pretty much from the natural Seattle. Uh, startup ecosystem. So we actually moved the program back into the city, mm. which uh, gives them access to the hub of uh, the startup and innovations, uh, including, you know, companies like Amazon and other, you know, like-minded uh, big corporations that they can, uh, you know, get some feedback and really uh, outside, I guess, perspective from. So uh, one of the common questions uh, that uh, corporations, as they're thinking about this, always run into, and especially the startups that we work with, um, always bring up is the IP question, right? So so we've got a big company that's promoting open innovation come in. We're going to collaborate. We're going to help you build uh, your product. What, what, what's your stance on the appropriate level of IP protection that either Microsoft or the startup should bring into the engagement versus the frictionless openness of, of just trying to let innovation and collaboration happen. Yeah, so from uh, the day one that they get into the program, you know, we're very clear that the IP is uh, 100%, you know, theirs. Uh, this is not about, you know, trying to, I guess, uh, glean, you know, what's coming around the curve and uh, mm -hmm. you know, replicating, you know, what they're trying to do. Um, and, and also, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we're uh, platform agnostic, so this is not about trying to you know, get them to consume our stack or, or build stuff uh, that we can use in some uh, different way internally. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. The interview that we did with one of your startups who got accepted uh, mentioned that he came to the pitch with a BlackBerry phone and uh, Google Docs, and he said the only thing that he had Microsoft and all of his presentation was a pirated copy of PowerPoint. <laughs> so that, that's that's a good, at least for you guys, of, of, of a, um, a strong bent towards uh, being platform agnostic and really focusing on we're trying to look for the next billion dollar idea. Exactly. Right. And, you know, we welcome, uh, you know, OSS. Uh, our cloud solution is certainly built for compatibility with the uh, OSS solutions and, you know, Linux, iOS, Android. You know, we don't care as long as it's the right solution. Yeah. And it's the, the right team that's building it. And, you know, anything with a platform, I think nowadays especially, is that you can actually go back. And if you put enough engineers, 
and the resources and money behind it, you can kind of make that switch, uh, which I think was a lot harder proposition than it was a few years ago. Plus, you know, you got to be respectful of where the markets are, where the yeah. eyeballs are, right? If they're not on uh, uh, Windows yet, uh, then, you know, the company should certainly be going to uh, where everybody's hanging out, which uh, is other platforms. Sure, sure. Uh, so so the, the headline of that is you're looking for the big ideas. doesn't matter the platform. Maybe don't bring a pirated copy. Of <laughs> yeah. But overall, you're, you're pretty agnostic. Yeah, and I guess the other point is, um, you know, in terms of verticals, uh, what do we tend to focus on? And uh, maybe, you know, Dan mentioned this too, but with the, the first class that we did with those guys, uh, with American Family Insurance, uh, we took a thematic approach, right, mm -hmm. where we said, hey, we're going to go after like the 10 or 12 handful of interesting companies that are really doing interesting stuff in that one space, which is uh, um, monumentally harder than doing an agnostic class where sure. you say we want to find like the 10 uh, cola startups that we can help. And I think that's another, you know, unique quality, uh, you know, that we bring with this thematic approach. But we also um, tend to uh, uh, try to go after the more mature uh, startups. And when I say mature, I mean mature and the context of an accelerator tends to, which tends to uh, naturally attract more of the very early stage, even ideation stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what we learned, and, and this was a, a learning process too, but uh, the feedback that we often got from the enterprise customers is, well, these companies are great, but sure. if they're too young, the risk, uh, you know, averse uh, big companies uh, tend sure. to uh, shy away from, you know, betting on uh, somebody so young. And I think it's it's also an untapped space to some degree, you know, in the accelerator con uh, context in that. I think a lot of accelerators, uh, you know, they, they want to go help the, the babies and the toddlers, so to speak, right, which need all the help in the world. Um, but, you know, once they hit the teenage years where they have their own personality, they kind of know what they're doing. They don't want help, uh, although they need it. Uh, that's kind of the space that, that we're trying to, uh, I think, tap into, which I think also translates into the Series A crunch, right? Like that's a <laughs> space to to help companies get to the next level. And if we can do that in a unique way, I think that's uh, the, the best way that we can uh, promote the program and sell it. Well, I, I agree. If, if you're able to get them access to maybe some of those credits or to accelerate some of the scaling of the product uh, or access to other clients and other things, you, you might be able to get them over that hump or at least get them around needing to uh, get that next bridge uh, to that next hump. So that's good. So so I appreciate your candidness in sharing you know, some things that you tried, some things that you're shifting on. In a one to ten scale, with ten being we've got this whole startup collaboration innovation thing figured out, the book's coming out next week on it, you know, home run, you know, and one being you know you're still stumbling around in the dark. Where are you guys at in terms of having it all figured out? If anybody gives you a ten on that scale, like <laughs> as a startup. <laughs> Um, you know, just like any other uh, initiative, especially a big company, um, you know, it, it, it's a process, right? It's always evolving. And, you know, you can have it figured out internally. But by then, you know, the landscape could have shifted entirely, right? So you're always kind of trying to understand what the signals are and trying to adjust. So I would say I would give it a seven at this point with the understanding that it's like, hey, it could easily dip down to a five or maybe we can shoot yeah. a ten. Uh, you know, even without doing a thing. Well, and I love, I, honestly, I love that answer in, in that it gives a lot of hope to the rest of the companies out there, right? If Microsoft, with all your resources, with all the innovation you've been able to do, if you've been at it for a few years and you're still figuring things out, 
uh, that, that does provide a lot of hope, right? It, it, it's also a good spirit of flexibility and agility, right? Which is exactly what you need in this space. Uh, it's what we preach to startups or corporate innovation teams all along, which is you've got certain assumptions and you figure out how to test those assumptions and learn from them and make the next assumptions of, of down the path. So um, I'm, I'm glad you didn't say 10. And you're right, anybody saying 10 and, and sending me the book is probably, uh, should receive a raised eyebrow. Exactly. So uh, anything else you'd like to uh, promote or that we should know about? Uh, any new cohorts or applications you're accepting or, or any other words that you want to get out to our listeners? Yeah. So just in terms of, uh, I guess, the achievements to date um, as kind of a background context. Uh, so we have around uh, close to 500 companies that we have graduated. And I think I mentioned earlier that you know Seattle's one of uh, seven programs. Uh, and we tend to, you know, I think similar to, you know, what you guys are trying to do with the Silicon Prairie is, uh, you know, we tend to go to either uh, emerging or kind of up and coming ecosystems, right? We get a lot of questions around like, hey, why aren't you in the Valley? Why aren't you in New York? The Valley in New York is good. They have a lot of places. <laughs> uh, plus, it's hyper competitive, which is great. But at some point, you reach a saturation point. So I think for us to really make a big impact, um, you know, we want to get in the ground floor and also, you know, go to places like Bangalore, Beijing, uh, Tel Aviv, which, you know, is a pretty mature ecosystem by now, and uh, Paris, Berlin, and London. So those are other locations. And they're more of the kind of like everybody knows they're important, um, but let's see, you know, what, how this plays out mode. Um, so we uh, invested pretty early uh, by starting, you know, accelerators in those spaces and, it's really, you know, like going to the places that you, that needs the most help. Uh, so that's kind of our philosophy behind it. And, you know, I think Seattle, uh, as, you know, saturated and there's a lot of uh, deep talent pool uh, in terms of, uh, you know, developers and engineers, it really is a bit nascent, um, you know, mm -hmm. given all the brands and the money and the, the technology swirling around it uh, when it comes to the startup ecosystem. So I thought it, it made sense for us to um, kind of take a bet on Seattle and build a program here. And just, just one more point about the, the momentum, though. Um, uh, and we've had around uh, 35 uh, exits so far from around the pool of 500. Wow. And some of these uh, um, acquires are uh, what are considered our competitors, like um, you know Google, Yahoo, uh, Yandex. And you know we often get the questions like, you know, how do you feel about that? It's like a grooming uh, a ball player that gets uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Drafted to another team, yeah. To a team that you know you're, you're traditionally rivals with, but you know we think that that's great, right? I think the more competition there is, it's going to make uh, everybody else more hungry, and uh, it's certainly going to benefit the, the people on the uh, receiving end of the, these. Uh, Have you guys acquired uh, anybody who was groomed up in somebody else's program yet? Uh, I'm sure we have, as Microsoft. Yeah, but, you know, you have to also understand is uh, at what stage are you getting these companies, right? Um, I, I don't I don't claim to know uh, if LinkedIn ever went through such a program, but, you know, acquiring LinkedIn at this stage mm -hmm. probably has no bearing on uh, which accelerator you get. <laughs> Good point. I, if anybody wants to learn any more information about uh, Microsoft accelerators, uh, what, uh, where should we send them? Yes, thanks for asking that. Um, so we have a, a website um, that covers uh, how the program works and just a lot of the information uh, around it. So that's uh, MicrosoftAccelerator.com. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at uh, MSACCEL, uh, M-S-A-C-C-E-L. 
All right. I really appreciate uh, you being on the show with us today. Uh, look forward to uh, continuing to see uh, what's ahead uh, for the years as you guys continue to, to get this figured out. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool. And that does it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Special thanks to our guests and sponsors and everyone who makes this podcast possible. Uh, please let us know what you think. Uh, head over to iTunes, give us a review, uh, drop us a note at the IO podcast on Twitter. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And in between then, go out and innovate.